0: I think the Lord had me learn the piano. It keeps me behind the piano, because I love dancing. I mean, when I sing those songs, I just like I just want to get away from it and start dancing. But then, like I actually want people to come back to church too. So, I think it works out best for all of us if I just stay back there. Also, I wanted to let you know um, we're at the memorial service on 1 p.m. and and it's so good to have you here, Bobby. We're all praying for you and we're. We're so proud of uh, all that you've been going through and, and just want to encourage you, let, let there be room uh, at this place to be who you need to be. So just freedom over you, don't, you don't have to be anything or say anything that you don't want to be in this moment, just, just be uh, free to be who God has called you to be. But the cool thing about um, Ray is that Ray had some pretty cool friends and one of his really cool friends is coming to celebrate the memorial with us. Emmanuel. Do you guys remember Emmanuel? He's the guy that sang I surrender all like twenty times in a row. Remember that? And we're all on our faces, just bawling our eyes out, like, Oh my goodness, God, I love you. Well, guess what? He's gonna preach on Sunday. So I just asked him at eight forty, literally five minutes, but that's why I was late to the service. I'm talking to Emmanuel who's actually right now in Saskatchewan, Canada, Swift Current, and I'm like, Dude, you're coming over and do you want to preach? And of course he's like, Oh, that would be good, yeah. great to do that you know, he's just Oh, Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan. Glory to God, Pastor Dan. I love him anyway. He's just like, I'm just like, I wanna be like you. But I'm not even close. But anyways, he's coming Sunday. Bring your friends. Get ready to sing I surrender all. It's going to be awesome. So we're we're continuing our sun Ripen series. I've really enjoyed the sun Ripen series. I don't know about you, but it's just challenging me, right? It's, because we keep on having to look at who we are. This idea of the Holy Spirit in us, that the Holy Spirit changes us by the Holy Spirit, always working in us, always changing us, always having His way in His lives, always having this fruit of the Spirit being produced in us, that as we grow in the Lord, it's producing, it's growing in us. What is it? Love, joy, right? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things growing within us as Christians. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Galatians 5 chapter that we've been reading again and again and again and again and again tells us that when the Spirit is in us, these are the things that are produced, right? That's a summary of the last eight weeks. Well, guess what? We're going to read it again. (laughs) Galatians 5. Anyone remember the verses? Who's really been goody-two-shoeing it lately? Verses thirteen through twenty six. And today I'm reading this I I just think you're gonna you're gonna be like, wow, this is really good. And I know it's like the tenth time we've read it, but this time, like by the Holy Spirit, because he's always teaching us new things, you're actually gonna be like, Wow, I didn't even know that was in there, right? That's what happens. But before we do that, we gotta get make sure that we're on the right page and the right heart. And so let's pray to the Lord. God, we really need this to be you speaking, really need this to be you moving and your spirit. Um, we we kinda wanna just get get our eyes right get our heart right get our mind right there's so many distractions in this world and so i just pray that you would refocus us right now lord that we would say where are you at lord what are you saying and by your word today just speak clearly to us we want to be changed we want the fruit of the holy spirit to be evident in our lives let it be let it be let it be in the name of jesus amen amen so for you were called to freedom brethren only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Amen. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. Like, we don't have to say, oh, I don't know if that's really a deed of the flesh. I mean, look at this. It's immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like that. <coughs> of which I have forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those practices, those who practice such things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit... Say it with me. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Guess what? There's no law against those things. No law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, this is so beautiful to me, let us also walk by the Spirit. Isn't that good? So if we live by the Spirit, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got the Holy Spirit in me. I live by the Spirit. What does it say? It says, "If, if that's you, then let's what? Walk by the Spirit. Isn't that interesting to think about You know, walking by the Spirit? What does it look like to walk by the Spirit? And it says, let's not become boastful. Let's not be challenging one another. Let's not be envying one another. And so today we've been talking through all these things. Today is faithfulness. This mic is just not staying on today. Faithfulness. I was thinking about faithfulness this week. And some of you could care less about the Mariners, but I love the Mariners. Mariners are a baseball team, by the way. I know they've been insignificant since 2001, but I waste about three hours, three and a half hours every night watching the Mariners. Don't you miss Dave Niehaus? Oh my goodness, what a guy. But I'm still listening to Rick Riz on the radio and I'm watching them on the TV. I love the Mariners. There's a faithfulness that I have to the Mariners. Every year, by the way, I tell people around me, Jason would say that, know this, that we're going to the World Series. Did you know that? We're going to win the World Series. Did you know that this is the year that we have just the right players at just the right places and at just the right time? And this is the year we're going to the World Series. Do you know how many times we've gone to the World Series? Zero. <laughs> they break my heart every year. But we're only six games out of the wild card, by the way. And we do have Texas coming up in the schedule in Houston. And who knows? Maybe we can uh, pull it out this year. Ah, I just, I, have, oh, right? I just love the Mariners. But we're not talking about a faithfulness, which, you know, includes, you know, hitting a uh, ball with a stick. By the way, hitting a ball with a stick, we had the golf tournament yesterday and at the end of the golf tournament, I was definitely not very um, fruit of the spirity. I got kind of upset because I missed the putt. And so I threw my golf ball up and I swung at it with my driver, but I happened to hit it with the graphite shaft of my driver. And so it broke my driver in two. So your senior pastor has a picture of his driver in two. I am a wonderful example of a broken man in need of the <laughs> grace of God. <laughs> but we're talking about faithfulness. Let's look at faithfulness. I looked it up in the thesaurus. These are some of the synonyms of faithfulness. I, I, I think, it, it, to be honest, I, I was, I'll read them to you, but uh, the, I was looking at it and I was thinking it actually was a Ford truck commercial. You'll, you'll get it after you see these words. But faithfulness, loyal, constant, true, devoted, unswerving, staunch, steadfast, dedicated, committed, trustworthy, dependable, reliable, Thirty two miles per gallon. Right. It's it's faithfulness. Part of the fruit of the spirit, having the Holy Spirit, having his way in your life. It's just faithfulness, faithfulness. Just everybody say faithfulness. faithfulness. By the way, I hate this word because I'm so unfaithful, but faithfulness and the synonyms, they're heavy words. Like I was reading that this week, I was studying the Bible and I'm like, oh, my goodness, those are heavy words. Those are Ford truck kind of words. Dedicated, reliable, dependable, unswerving. And I'm reading those words and I'm thinking, unswerving? Are you kidding me? I have so many swerves in my life. Anybody else have just some crazy zigzags in your life? And I'm called to unswerving? I'm like, oh my goodness. I struggle with it. We struggle with it. Yet it's part of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's part of our new nature. These songs that we're singing, the, the, things, the songs that songs are talking about who we are in Christ, it's part of that package. It's part of what we've been called to be. And yet we struggle with it. And to, today it's just important to understand that faithfulness matters to God. It'd be kind of cool if He designed it where it didn't. I'd be off the hook, right? But it does, I mean, totally. The, the Old Testament is huge. Like, there's tons of words in the Old Testament and the Old Testament talks a lot about faithfulness. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it says, Now Israel, <laughs> what does the Lord your God require from you? If, if you hear that line, your ears should perk up, right? What does the Lord require? You're like, oh, I want to know what the Lord requires of me. He says, To fear the Lord your God, walk in all of His ways, to love Him, serve the Lord with all your heart and your soul, and keep His commandments, keep His statutes, to which He is commanding to you for what? For your good. So be faithful, walk in his ways, serve him, keep his commandments, love him, be faithful. But if you look at man's uh, history, mankind's history, from the moment we ate that forbidden fruit, we kind of have a legacy of unfaithfulness, don't we? It's just kind of our M.O., unfaithfulness. In in the Old Testament, God gave his people laws to obey, right? Instructions, commands, and and, and they were to be faithful to him. But yet throughout the Old Testament, what do you see? You see unfaithfulness. You see God's chosen people like his, his people, Like his sons and daughters being unfaithful to him. Instead of being faithful to him, what do they do? They begin worshiping other gods. Instead of trusting him and trusting him alone, what do they do? They put their trust in other things. In idols that take the place of God. So many sad examples of this in scripture. of God's children. Children. Think of the word children. His children. The love of God for his children. But yet his children were unfaithful. You get a good picture of this in Exodus. Moses, he goes up the mountain, right? Mount Sinai, the second time to get the Lord's instructions and his commands. And the Lord instructs him, come up here. Come up here to me. Bring Aaron, Adam, and... Anyone know Abihu? Abihu. 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 And seventy of Israel's leaders. I'm not naming my kid that. That's all I know. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. Others must not come near. If you've never heard this passage before, pay attention. This is incredible. He says, none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Then Moses went down to the people, repeated all the instructions, regulations the Lord had given them. All the people answered with one voice. So he gives them the law, the commandments, all these things with one voice. Let's all say it together. He says, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Have you ever done that, by the way, in your life? Like, God, I'm going to do everything you ask me to do. And then like five minutes later after you really screwed up, you're like, God, I'm going to do everything you've commanded me to do. And then five minutes. Anyway, so, so then Moses, he carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next morning, Moses gets up, builds an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also sets 12 pillars, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He sends some of the young Israelite men, present burnt offerings, sacrifice bowls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses, This is where it gets really kind of fun. Moses drains half of the blood from these animals into the basins. The other half, he splatters against the altar. Then he takes the book of the covenant. He reads it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded. Respond with me. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Man, there, there's great like, momentum in the house of the Lord. And then Moses took the blood from the basin, splattered it all over the people. Like blood, blood, blood. blood. Isn't that gross? Yeah. Covenant, right? We're going to do what you call us to do. The Lord, the blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu Abihu, and the 70 leaders of Israel, they climbed up the mountain. Um, Okay, cool. There they saw God of Israel. They saw God of Israel. Like, they saw God of Israel. Like, they saw God. I mean, we just read through those sometimes and just move on to the next verse. They saw God. (sighs) Under His feet there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli or lazuli as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, come on, this gets ridiculous. They ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Man, take off your shoes. We're on holy ground. Are you kidding me? Then the Lord says to Moses, come up to the mountain. Stay there. I'm going to give you some tablets of stone. I, I've inscribed the instructions of commands so you can teach the people. And so Moses and his assistant Joshua set out. They climb up the mountain of God. Man, there's a lot of climbing yet. I think you need to be in shape to be an Israelite. So Moses told the elders, Stay here. Wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I am gone, consult with them. So Aaron and her are staying back. Consult with them if you have a problem. He climbed up the mountain. The cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai. Get get this. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God was like, Hey, Moses, come here. He calls them from inside the cloud. So, to the Israelites, you've got to get this picture. This, this, this needs to just... I hope you can understand this today. Even If you never read this passage again in your life, to get this. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Can you imagine that? You're at the bottom of the mountain. You know that the guys are doing their thing and there's a cloud. But then you actually see the glory of the Lord looking like what? Like a consuming fire. So with their eyes, they see God's glory. Right? There's a mountain, there's a cloud. He walks in the cloud. And the glory of the Lord is a consuming fire. And Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. He remained on the mountain 40 days, 40 nights. It's pretty, pretty amazing. But then while Moses is receiving these commandments from the Lord, these instructions, the people, God's chosen people, they get restless. Now again, they can see the glory of the Lord like a consuming fire up on that mountain. And they're like, eh, let's Moses come back. Like, I don't know, I'm just getting kind of tired. You know, the glory of the Lord is on the mountain. They're like, eh, let's try something else. So this is what happens. Exodus 32. When the people see how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, Aaron. Make us some gods who can lead us. Does that that wreck you? Just blow your mind. The glory of the Lord is up there. And they're like, you know what? Let's let's just build some gods. You know, maybe those gods that we build can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron, he takes the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters, bring them to me. Get all that gold ring. And, and they take it, all the people, bring it to Aaron. Aaron takes the gold, melts it down, mold it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Did that just break anyone else's heart. They saw the glory of the Lord. He was, there. He was on the mountain. And they're like, ah, He's not coming back. Let's build our own God. And we say, these are the gods who brought us out of Egypt. And of course, being the arrogant know-it-all Christian I am, I'm just like, what fools? You idiots. You dummies. Who would do that? Right? Who would turn away from God? After all that He had done for them, who would turn away from God whose glory is like a consuming fire? And the Holy Spirit reminded me, I would. I would, I have. I love the love of him, come thou found of every blessing in their life. It says, "Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. God has done so much for me. He's saved me from my sins. He's given me a new life full of His presence, His Spirit, His love, His joy, His grace, His mercy. And yet, how many times have I turned to other things besides God? Put my trust in things besides God? How many times have I put my faith in my bank account? How many times have I put my trust in other people, in the government, or in possessions, or in doctors, or in drugs, or anything besides God? Not that any of those things necessarily are bad on their own, but when I put my trust and faith in those things instead of God, they are becoming idols. They are becoming golden cows. Ridiculous, stupid, golden cows that I am worshiping, saying, These things, these things have saved me. These things have rescued me. These things have delivered me from Egypt. And at that point, I have wavered. I have swerved off of the path that God has called me to travel. And as a pastor, I see this swerving again and again where people turn to possessions or turn to people or turn to a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a job or an activity or a sport. They turn to these things to be their provider, their rescuer, their savior instead of the Lord. I've seen it so many times in the past 11 years of pastoring. Well, I'll meet with someone and they start telling me about their life. And I love talking to you about your life. But then they'll start telling me these choices they're making, these actions that they are doing that are just flat out against the word of God. A blatant unfaithfulness to God. But often they share as if they're not doing anything wrong. There's such a rationalizing of our sin. People have so many excuses for their sin. Well, because of this, or because of my parents, or because of the economy, or whatever it is. The often is like, yeah, yeah, you know, this is what we do. But, you know, God loves us, and don't you know God wants us to be happy? Oh, if I could never hear that phrase again, it just kills me. Don't you know God... Wants me to be happy. It's all kind of just a mess, and often I just stand there in the mess, just kind of confused. Like, so you actually think you can have the abundant, joy filled, satisfying life that God has called you to live without being faithful to Him and without being faithful to His Word? Like, you actually believe that can happen? You can't just go in your unfaithfulness and think everything's going to be okay. Things will not be okay. You are destined, if there might be a warning in this place this morning, you are destined for a train wreck. And I've seen this way too often. And I cry every time. Galatians 6.8 tells us, Those who live only to satisfy their own simple nature, they will harvest decay and death from that simple nature. Church, I have lived that before. I know that. There is nothing but rubble in my life when I have lived that way. Remember that woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. Remember? Caught in adultery, in the act of adultery. Just pathetic, right? But he said, I do not condemn you. But he also said, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. Out of his love for her, he says, you know what? I love you, but it's time for a change. What you're doing isn't working. Go, sin no more. Why? Because he loves her, because he wants her to live the life that he has called her to live. And so if this morning in your heart and the Lord's speaking and the the spirit is speaking if your heart you know that you're living a life of unfaithfulness. I just want to live well, I want to just say a couple of things to you and hopefully I can be an encouragement to you. First of all, I just want you to know that God loves you. He loves you very much. But I also want to ask you to stop. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to stop. We get on this crazy roller coaster of dysfunction and unfaithfulness. I just want to encourage you to stop. Relax. Take a breath. Often we just feel such a condemnation and a guilt and a shame that uh, we're kind of uneasy. There's an anxiousness to it. Relax. And then refocus. Refocus. T- take a step back. This is a safe place to just take a step back. And I just want to ask a couple of questions. I don't want you to answer them out loud. Just in your spirit. First question would be this. Again, just a safe place. Relax. Stop. I'm not here to judge anybody. Just let's, let's walk this through a little bit. First, are you a Christian? Just yes or no in your spirit. Are are you a Christian? If yes, then one of the most basic definitions of a Christian is that you follow Christ. When you follow Christ, if he's doing a bunch of things that are Christ-like, and you're just doing a bunch of things that aren't Christ-like, that's not following Christ. (laughs) that would be like rebelling against Christ, but yeah, he has a rope to you and he's just dragging you and you're just like running off. No, following Christ would be, oh, that's what you do, God? Well, then help me do that. Oh, that's kind of the places that you like to hang out? Well, then help me hang out over there. Oh, those are the kind of words that you speak, Jesus? Well, help me speak those kinds of words. That's what it means to follow Christ. And one of the greatest things that you do as a Christian is you have this desire to please the Lord, right? That's who you are. I'm not here to judge you. Just the desire within you to please the Lord. So what do you do when you wake up? You say, not my will but who? Yours be done. Jesus prayed that. And Jesus says, pray like I pray. Father in heaven, not my will be done, but yours be done. As Christians, we have this passion. We have a drive for God's will to be done. And I just would ask that question this morning. Again, don't answer out loud. Just can that be said of you? Do you submit your will to God's will? Who are you living for? That's a really good question. We should write a song about it. Who are you living for? God's will or your will? If you're a Christian, if you said yes to being a Christian, guess what? You live for God. You live for God's will. And if you're living for God, what does that look like? Well, it can look like a lot of things, right? But I would say, just in the basics, when you get up in the morning, pray. Get up in the morning, pray. Pray, uh, Daniel, remember the Old Testament, Daniel? How many times a day did he pray? Anyone remember? Three times. Three times a day. Um, pray, sing songs to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. This morning, I sang to the Lord. Psalm 59, 16, in the morning I will sing of your love. When was the last time you sang to the Lord? alright morning is going to be kind of hard we wake up we can be kind of discouraged sing a song and maybe not you know Rihanna or something like that but you know just sing, sing a song to the Lord for you are my fortress my refuge in time of trouble by the way showers are wonderful for this I mean showers just right you just sound good in a shower like it's, just, it's so cool like oh? I always go opera in the shower for some reason but anyways Read scriptures. Meditate on the scriptures. I don't have time for scripture. Well, get on your smartphone. Push play. And, and, and let the scripture speak over you. And, and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? Speak to me. And then as he speaks to you, this is an important step, be faithful to him. Be faithful to him. It's not just like you read it and you're like, oh, that's really neat, God. I sure hope the person next to me hears what you're saying. You know, I hope the person next... No, it's for you. Lord, what are you saying? And, and I want to be faithful to you. Over everything else, be faithful and obey him. And then when you aren't faithful to God... Guess what? Just ask for forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry. And thank you for your grace. And because of your grace, I can come back and be faithful to you once again. But the real questions, the, the answer to these questions, it, it goes back to the basics of just what drives you. You know, what, what motivates you? What nature? Sinful nature or new nature? You know, uh, the spirit or the flesh? What drives you? What motivates you? Is it your passion to be faithful to God? Yes or no? Is it your passion to do what He has called you to do? Yes or no? Honestly, wrestle with that question. Too many Christians, and I, I'm trying to not even look at anyone because I don't want to judge anyone, but too many Christians think they're Christians, and yet they do not have a passion and a drive to do what God has called them to do. They're passionate and a drive it to do what they want to do. Honestly, wrestle with that question. Your will or His will? For many people, what drives them more than anything, it's happiness. I've noticed this a lot. What, it's not, you know, God's will being done, not, I'm, I might, you know, I want to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful. What drives you is like, I want to be happy. Happiness. When you wake up, your prayer isn't not my will, but your will be done. It's, what can I do to be happy? And I believe this is the reason why so many people are so negative. It's because the normal day, by the way, is full of things that are attacking and hitting at your happiness. If you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to be happy today. And you have this ball of happiness. Guess what? A lot of things are going to be attacking that happiness. By the way, there's something that happens right away in the morning that attacks your happiness. That's really going to screw up your day. If happiness is the only thing that you're looking for. It's called the alarm clock. (laughs) Bam. Right. Or the headache you have from your alarm clock. Bam. Or the traffic. The commute, right? Or that horrible boss, or the unloving spouse, or the stock market, or the government, or the car problems, or the Mariners. There's all these things that are attacking your pursuit of happiness, and that's why, if you're living this way, by the time your head hits the pillow, you're pretty discouraged, aren't you? You can even be depressed. You ever done that before? I have. Where you're living just for happiness, like I gotta protect my happiness. I gotta protect my happiness. And circumstances really affect you when you live that way. But see, as Christians, as followers of Christ, when we wake up, this is what we say. God, I surrender my wants and my desires. I surrender it all, even my happiness. Not my will be done, but yours. And then as Christians, I want to encourage you in this. Walk through your day with your greatest desire being not happiness, but faithfulness to God. I want to be faithful to you, God. Your will be done. And then when you finish your day, when you put that head on your pillow, you can ask questions, not about was I happy or not, But was I faithful? Did I obey the Lord? Did I do what He's called me to do? And if the answer is no, thank the Lord for His grace and mercy. By the way, if the answer is yes, that you were faithful to God, still thank the Lord for His grace and His mercy in your life. Make sure every day you start from a place of faithfulness and every day you return each night to a place of faithfulness. I want you to think of it this way. We, Adelie drew this for me. And just thank you so much for Adelie. Adley doing this. But I want you to think of faithfulness as a line. So, I know some of you can't see it, but I'm not that great of an artist, so relax, it's not that big of a deal. So here's faithfulness, the line of faithfulness. Wouldn't that be beautiful if we just always hung out on the line of faithfulness? But think of it. Faithfulness. Now, I could have been like, happiness right and the line was happiness but we just said no happiness i'm laying down happiness i'm just gonna be faithful well i've had this done where i talk about faithfulness and then of course the person's like well you don't want us to be happy what you don't don't you know that god wants us to be happy you don't want us to be happy not if it causes you to be unfaithful to god that's very important very important Who do you think you serve? Who is the Lord of your life? Is it you or is it Him? You do what He has called you to do. Stay close to Jesus. By the way, in your faithfulness to Him, we just sang songs about it, in your faithfulness, He's going to give you everything you need. He's going to satisfy you. He's going to give you a deep-rooted joy that no circumstance can take away. It's going to be much greater than any kind of circumstantial happiness, temporary happiness that you might get in this world. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Listen to these scriptures. I could have picked a thousand scriptures, but listen to this. First Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that you do not labor in vain. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Faithfulness, 1 Corinthians 16. Be on alert, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong, Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful, be be faithful. But you know, as great and cool as those scriptures are, and as great as that sounds, none of us in this room can say that we're always faithful. None of us. Oh, yes, I can. No, you can't. You know why? Because if you were faithful all the time, you wouldn't need Jesus. (laughs) Jesus came for your unfaithfulness. In our flesh, we're always going to kind of have that tendency to move toward the golden cow. The golden cow, by the way, I know I said the word stupid and my mom doesn't like it when I use that word, but the golden cow is stupid and yet we go to the cow. We all do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I was thinking about that in my life. Food. It's just a big deal right now in my life. It has a place in my life that it shouldn't have. Instead of Jesus being the bread of life, McDonald's is. <laughs> it's... Man, it's been feeding me lately. I I just, I hope you feel that. food's a great example for me because it takes a place that only God should have. Right? And when we run and we put our faith and our hope in something else or someone else, we're being unfaithful to Him. And praise the Lord, I mean, think about it. This whole thing, we spent like 30 minutes just being way too loud, praising Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died for all that unfaithfulness, for every Big Mac, right? Jesus died for it. Even while I'm unfaithful, Scripture tells us He is faithful. He is faithful. He's faithful to walk us through all the mess of our unfaithfulness. So maybe, let's let's say, you know, I kind of got off this line and here's like food. Food's up here. And then um, maybe down here, maybe it's lust, you know. It's fun to talk about sex because it's a big deal and it's in the Bible a lot. So lust, yeah. What what other areas maybe that I was struggling in this? Oh, my job. You know, I I've really been worshiping my job. You know, if I ever got fired, my identity would be ruined, right? Because my job is everything. My job defines me, right? Maybe I don't know. We could we could put the Seahawks and. Some of us are really worshiping the Seahawks lately. I love the Seahawks, by the way, but some of us are just like, "Whoa, right When you name your kid first name C, middle name Hawk, you have a problem <laughs> Maybe it's possessions, whatever it is. We're unfaithful. A lot of people it's fear like it just you fear has gripped you, and so you serve the world and serve the things of this world because you're feared instead of being faithful to God but by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is doing something beautiful in us is the fruit of the Spirit grows right the fruit produces in us faithfulness so maybe we're out here but the Spirit always kind of draws us back to faithfulness but then we jump out to lust then he brings us back to faithfulness and then we freak out all of a sudden we have this trust in our job By the way, when I have a trust in my job, I don't see it as unfaithfulness. I just see it as like just being a good employee. But when I see it in you, I'm like, oh, you're trusting too much in your job. I'm really good at pointing out other people's unfaithfulness. (laughs) But then, uh, maybe it's Seahawks. But what I want you to get is you're always kind of drawn back to faithfulness. And faithfulness grows. And you keep on getting drawn back to faithfulness. And the Spirit in you continues to speak to you. And faithfulness grows. Faithfulness grows. Faithfulness grows. He's doing something beautiful in you. You need to be encouraged today. He's doing something wonderful in you. He's actually making you more like Jesus. So I jump into the things of this world. You do as well in our unfaithfulness. But the Holy Spirit, you're so good. He brings us back to faithfulness. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's why towards the time that you close your time on this earth, often you're, you're this person, right? Ray Wright, right? Would Ray Wright, when he, I mean, have you, he was just walking. Like he had this confidence in the Lord. He, he was just walking. There was no golden cows that were going to be built by Ray. Because the Spirit had done a work in him. By the way, around here, when he came to Life Spring, Ray learned how to love. He told me that. He goes, I learned how to love when I came to Life Spring," And it just... Rah, dangerous for the kingdom of God. A thousand baptisms of the Holy Spirit in that last crusade that we did. A thousand, over a thousand conversions. People accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in that last, in that last crusade that we did. You're not going to be tempted... Well, actually, you will be tempted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But what you learn, and and what Ray learned, and what others of you have learned, that you learn to trust in the Lord. And and, and actually, you trust that in the midst of temptation, that you're like, you know what? I'm tempted just like everybody else, but I'm not. I'm not convinced that that thing's going to satisfy me like Jesus. I'm not convinced that that thing is going to deliver like Jesus delivers. And so these people, they resist by the Spirit's help, all by the Holy Spirit, by the way, working in them. The fruit of the Spirit has grown, faithfulness has grown, and so they resist the temptation to worship any idol other than God. Instead, they put their trust in God to remain faithful to God. I'm not saying that, you know, they never sin and never do anything wrong, but there's a growth in faithfulness. I hope you see that. And, And maybe you're like, well, hey, that's really good for them, but that's not where I am today. Well, Okay. That's cool. The Christian life, it's a process, right? It's a journey. Don't you know we're all in process? That's why it's really important that I don't go around trying to judge people today. We're all in process. I'm in process. You're in process. And we're all at different stages in the process. Regardless of where you're at today in the process, if you're a Christian, if you're open to the Holy Spirit, working in your life, if you give Him permission to work in your life, then you're going to continue to change. You're going to continue to become more like Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit is going to be produced in your life and you're going to grow in your faithfulness to the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? kind of right because you know you're unfaithful in a lot of things but we just have to come to a place where we trust that the holy spirit is doing a good work in us and, and maybe you're discouraged when you think about where you are in the process don't you ever just sometimes i feel like man god like what am i doing but i want to encourage you today remember we're taking it back another step jesus has set you free everybody say free it's a really important thing with the christian life you're free You were slaves to sin, now you're free. By the way, in your freedom, you can actually go back and sin. That's how awesome freedom is. You're actually free. You can go back to sin. But Galatians 5.13 says, don't use that freedom to go back and sinning and indulging that sinful nature. You're free, but don't go back and start sinning again. Instead, what? Serve one another in love. In your freedom, pursue God, pursue goodness, pursue the things of God. In your freedom, choose the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in you. Allow Him to transform you and be who He created you to be. Some of us we just settle for much less than what we are made for, right? Right? We just settle for less. There's these areas of sin and unfaithfulness in our life, and we know we just are settling for yet for less. But yet, by the grace of God, there's this beautiful life of freedom that you can have. And this is the cool thing about sermons and churches and and being a part of the family of God. There's a freedom and a beautiful life that you can have today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. That's one of the best things about being in the, in, in the body of Christ and, and being with the Lord today, is that you don't have to wait for tomorrow to live a life of faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 30. Listen to this. If you choose to live by the Spirit, if you choose to accept that freedom in Christ, listen to some of these verses. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Christ made us right with God. So when you became a Christian and you were set free, Christ made you right with God. Now you're right with God, made pure and holy, freed from sin. You're freed from sin. There's no reason to go back to it. No reason. You're freed from it. Set free. Second, second Timothy 2.21 If you keep yourself pure, so flee from sin, you're going to be... I don't know if you knew this was in the Bible. Listen to this. You will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. That's available to every one of us today. You've been set free, but how are you using your freedom? And this morning, may God's Holy Spirit compel you. And I know not everyone's hearing me today, but for the one person that does, may the Holy Spirit compel you to use your freedom to radically follow God's perfect plan for your life. Be faithful and you will be a special utensil for honorable use. You will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. again, I'm going to ask a question. No hands, please. (laughs) But did anyone besides me just do something that reeks of unfaithfulness to God this week? You probably did. And again, you're in process. Now, Satan, he wants to kind of remind you of your unfaithful act, whatever that was, and he reminds you again and again and again and again and again. Satan always gives you a snapshot of your sin. And he says, look at that. Look look at what you did last night. Look, Look, that's who you are, and that's what you will always be. So unfaithful. I bet you God has given up on you by now. He tries to define you by a snapshot of your sin. But you got to remember, i got to remember this. Sin is no longer your master. You are no longer serving sin because you have been bought with a price by Jesus' death on the cross. And now because of Jesus, you can choose to live by the Spirit. You have an opportunity and the freedom you, it is so available today. You have the opportunity to live every day as a Christian. Think of it this way faithfulness. It always grows in the heart of a disciple. Satan wants to tell you that's a lie. No, it doesn't. It doesn't grow in you. Church, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. I'm wicked. I'm evil. The things I do, they're wrong. I continue to go against the the you know the, the law and the commands and, and all the things and instructions that God has called me to do. No. If you're a Christian, if you follow the Lord, if the Spirit is having his way in your life, you are faithful. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes. You are. Sin tries to define you by your sin, a snapshot of your unfaithfulness, but that is not who you are. You've got you to remember that. That's why prayer and meditation and worship is so important, that you would remind yourself, I am a child of God. I am faithful. I'm a child of God faithful. Faithfulness resides within me. Faithfulness is being produced in me today, even after a doozy. I'm, and we know what a doozy is, right? We could go around and say, wow, that was a doozy, like where I really sinned, where I really blew up. You've got to remind yourself, I am faithful. When you're tempted to do something or worship anything other than God, you've got to pray to the Holy Spirit, set me back on the right course. Jesus, remind me of who I am. I am faithful. As God is faithful, I am faithful. Church, your sin no longer defines you. Do you believe that? Again, I don't want to look at anybody, but some of us are living as if our sin defines us. Our sin does not define us. Christ defines us. Now, outside of Christ, If you're not a Christian here this morning, your sin condemns you. I don't need to condemn you. Your sin condemns you. It stamps you guilty. And as long as you do not ask Jesus to save you from your sins, you are guilty. And there is a serious judgment from your sins and for your sins. But in Christ, in Christ, sin no longer defines you. You're defined by the blood of Jesus which washes us clean. You're defined by the Spirit of God. And as you let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life, He defines you more And more. So as the fruit of the Spirit grows you, faithfulness grows in you, He is faithful as you give Him permission to fill you up. As He is faithful, you are faithful. As He is faithful, you are faithful. And so church, with a bleeding heart, the Lord says, come back to me today. Come back to me today. Church, I want you to know, He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. And if you let him, he's going to finish the good work that he started in you. Didn't you know? Philippians 1.6, it tells us that our God, he is faithful. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to see it through. He's not going to quit on you. He's faithful. He's doing a good work in you. And as he does, the fruit of the Spirit grows, faithfulness grows. But maybe you're like, oh man, but you don't know the awful things that I'm doing. Like, I'm stuck in the things I'm doing. I can't change what I'm doing. I am stuck in my sin. I mean, if I changed course now, it would be like admitting to everybody and everyone that I was wrong. I don't like admitting that I'm wrong. Well, would you rather look good and save face in front of your friends and family or do you want to stand right and pure before God Almighty, the one who created you, who loves you, who is wild about you, who stepped back after reformed you and he said, oh man, I'll make good work. You are good. You are good. Oh, the plans I have for you. See, I don't make junk. I make good things. The plans I have for you, the destinies I have for you, the good works that I have for you to do. you got to think about this. Who are you living for? Don't you know that He has a call on your life? The call of God is on your life. Even now the Spirit is speaking into your spirit. You know every word I'm saying is true, that God is calling you out. He has you, I mean, right? I mean, He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the number of your days. He knows you by name. And it's today. Today is the day for you to stand up and say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be true to the Lord. I'm going to stand pure and faithful to God. He says, come back home. He loves it when kids come back home. He throws parties when kids come back home. Come back home, he would call out today. Accept my forgiveness. Accept my grace and live clean and pure in my freedom. Out of his love, by his spirit, he is calling us to be faithful. And so if you're sitting here this morning, you're a Christian, you don't feel like you've been faithful to God. Stop. Relax. Refocus. Get grounded in faith again. Get your heart right with God. Today, tomorrow morning. Pray. Pray. Read your Bible. Pray some more. Email your pastor. I want to pray for you. I love praying for you. Meditate on scriptures. Obey what they say. Go to church. Whether it's life or somewhere else. I don't care where you... Just get in a community. A Bible-based community. Get into a godly community and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Be open to the good work that He wants to do in your life. You know, we, jump, we all jump from these different places For you, you know, like you could describe some different things, right? We do that. And if you don't think you do, you do. Maybe yours is (laughs) self-righteousness. Hypocrisy and a pharisaical attitude. Right? We jump. He's calling you out to once again live for the Lord. Don't Don't you want to be able to finish life strong in the Lord, faithful to God? I do. You know, I still jump around from time to time. I was... I was thinking about a couple of things. On Monday night, uh, Labor Day, I had a great Labor Day with my family. But then family all goes to sleep, and I'm up, and I wasn't that tired. But I knew we had to wake up really early in the morning, but just wasn't that tired. And so I was like, I'm going to watch a movie. I like movies, and I watched this movie called Gone Girl. If you've seen it, it's, it's, it's. I'm just going to tell you, I thought it was pretty good, but it's rated R. There's some scenes in there that I would not want to watch with my mom. And then I woke up the next morning, and Mary's like, yeah, man, you stayed up late? I was like, yeah, I was watching this movie Gone Girl. She was like, oh, how was it? I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I said, but you know what? Would you mind just kind of putting on our um, remote the password where I can't watch R-rated movies uh, without you? Because I, I just don't feel like I want to watch R-rated movies by myself. It's just probably not a healthy thing for me to do. So would you do that? My, my wife, who we have a really good relationship, she like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that for you. So she just changed the password, so... Because in R-rated movies, there's things in R-rated movies that maybe, you know, could be questionable. Some of my friends don't even watch them because there's just some stuff that can be hard. And I probably don't need to be watching that by myself. So if we're going to make that choice to watch an R-rated movie, um, I want to do it with my spouse. So I did that this week. Huh. came back, right? Came back to faithfulness. Uh, let's see. Thursday night or Friday, one of the days, Friday, I was picking up Trevin from baseball, like 4 p.m., and I stop at the drug store and they were handing out free monster drinks. Now, I do not drink energy drinks. I have enough energy as it is. But I'm like, hey, this is cool. And he goes, do you want sugar-free or, you know, the regular? I was like, I'll take sugar-free. He goes, well, why don't you take both? I was like, okay, because I was going to give it to Trevin because Trevin likes monster drinks. So, well, sugar-free monster like, you know, I'm like, okay. So I drink it. I'm like, hey, this is pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. So I drink the whole thing at like 5 o'clock at night. Well, guess what? <laughs> Most of this sermon came at 3 in the morning. Like, I was, man, a lot. I was just like, I, I mean, just, wow. Wow. But I didn't get a lot of sleep. So I woke up the next morning, we have this golf scramble, and I was kind of grumpy. I was kind of crabby. And guess who was in the house with me? Trevin. And so poor little Trevin, you know, like, I'm just nailing on him and railing on him and getting at him and going at him, Right? All that pursuit of happiness, that's what I was living for. I woke up and I'm I'm not happy. In fact, I'm ticked at Monster. I'm writing him a letter. It's like crack, like jeez. But I wasn't happy. And then everything that Trevin did or Ava or Addie, again, just beautiful people in the Lord, was attacking my happiness. So I want you to know, that's how I was living on Saturday. You know when Saturday was? It was yesterday. So I don't preach this as someone who's got it all figured out. A priestess is someone who's, who's believing that as the Spirit is in me, the Spirit is growing, is producing in me. What is it producing in me? Good fruit. And part of that fruit is faithfulness. See, and, and you know what I had to do that day? Because I'm a Spirit-filled Christian, I apologized. Sat Chevin down, said, I'm sorry. He said, oh, I'm sorry too. We hugged. Why did I do that? I'm a Spirit-filled Christian. And the Spirit is always drawing me back to faithfulness. Always drawing me back... You know, sometimes you, just, you, you guys do the doozies and then you just leave the Lord. Like you leave the church and I never see you again. Just come back. It's okay. Like relax. Relax. God's faithful to finish the work that He started in you. So God in this moment, He's not as concerned about some of those things, but He really is concerned about today. He really is. Like, and He's concerned about how you leave this building. And I just say, do you have the guts today? To say, you know what? I've been unfaithful, but it's time to stop. To refocus. To be faithful once again to God. Do you have the guts to say, today I'm crucifying my flesh instead I'm living by the Holy Spirit. Do you have the passion and the guts to make that commitment to the Lord today? As I close today, I just want to remind us that in our faithfulness to God, it also affects our faithfulness to each other. Right? The fruit of the Spirit. It influences our relationship with God, but also influences our relationship with others. Greatest commandment. Love God and love others. The only way it's possible to live, love God and love others is by the Holy Spirit. I hope you understand that. If you've ever tried to muscle love, you know I'm going to love you, it doesn't work very well, does it? The Holy Spirit has to have his way in your life, and as he does, the fruit is produced, and the fruit affects your relationships with others. And there's such—I just love reading that scripture. That I mean, it's powerful to me. But in my relationship with Jeremy, right? that what would grow, and I'm his boss, so this is scary, (laughs) but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't you want to be a part of a community like that? Where that's happening? Where there's a faithfulness to God, absolutely a dedication to the Lord, but there's also a faithfulness to each other. That when we screw it up, that we'd be quick to admit it when we do it wrong, quick to ask for forgiveness. Someone once said, it was like, love is never having to say you're sorry or something like that. What a bunch of hooey. Like, it's actually getting really good at saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To God, to others, and that faithfulness would grow. I was just thinking about this. Some of us. Again, I don't want to look at anyone, but there's an unfaithfulness, right? Like, you just think about some of the interactions you've had with each other. You're just like, man, you know, I just, I, I misused their trust, or I said I was going to do something, but I didn't do it, or, you know, I, I never responded to that email. There's an unfaithfulness. Again, this is getting scary, right? But, you know, I'm not going to tell you when to do it, but there's a good chance that God is calling you to come back to a place of faithfulness and say, you know what? I'm sorry. And I want to be a faithful friend. I I want you to be able to trust me and consider me faithful. And so I want to, this is what I want to do. I just want to pray for us and and we'll end the service. You can get home and start the second quarter. (laughs) Lord, I just pray your spirit is so real this morning. And the vision I see, Lord, is just a bunch of kids who got a lot of mess on them. Like we've been playing in the dirt pile and we're just really got a lot of dirt on us but your your spirit washes us clean i just see that so powerfully clear right now lord that your spirit washes us clean and there's so many of us in this room who have allowed ourselves to be defined by our unfaithful actions and yet lord i pray that that your spirit right now would remind us if we are christians that we are faithful That faithfulness is growing in us and being produced in us and shining through us. And so if you're a Christian here this morning and and that has any kind of semblance to the life that you're living right now, I I just want to pray over you and I pray that the Lord would just speak his love over you today. But if that's you, if you're wrestling with this whole thing, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lord, I just pray over those people that raise their hands. You see their hearts, Lord. Um, my hand would be raised as well, Lord. I, I, I just, I allow the enemy to define me so often, Lord. But today we allow your Spirit to define us once again. That we are faithful. And, and even if we did a big doozy you know, on Wednesday or Tuesday or Monday or wherever it was, Lord, that, that does not define us. Your Spirit defines us. We struggle with this. We want it to be about all the great things we're doing for you, but so much more it's about all the great things you have done for us. It's because of what you have done for us, Jesus. We accept your grace, your penalty for our sins, what you did on the cross. And just begin to let that flow in us today. Renew us, Lord. Renew us, renew us, renew us. Refresh us, refresh us. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. For those that feel guilt and shame and condemnation, Lord. And in Christ, there is no shame or condemnation. There, there is no, you're not condemned. You are free. You're free. You're free. Spirit, just move in that freedom this morning. And then if you're not a believer this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know I, I, my, my goal is not to condemn anyone here. I, God loves you so much. And if you're here this morning, as we pray, I would love to pray for you that you could just accept Jesus' payment for your sins, that you could accept God's amazing grace and what He's done for you that Maybe, yeah, your sin condemns you today and you are guilty in your sins and there will be a payment and a, there, there will be a judgment for your sins. But if Jesus comes into your life, all of your sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven. If you want that, and I'd love to pray for you, would just raise your hand and, and we'll pray together and ask the Lord to come into your life to forgive you of all your sins. Anyone? All right. Well, good. Lord, we're all going to be hanging out in heaven together. And for some reason, you've called us to hang out together (laughs) while we're still on earth. And I believe it's not just to have a good social club. It's because you've called us to an abundant, joy-filled life, full of your spirit. So, Lord, in your mighty name, let love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control and faithfulness just reign in this place, Lord. Reign in this body. Have your way by your Spirit. It is so good today. It is just so good, Lord. Your faithfulness to us. Even when we are unfaithful, you are faithful. You are so good, Lord. You are so good. You are so good. We rise up. We will not be shaken. (laughs) and We declare that. We are faithful to you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? I want to pray a blessing over you.